particularly because we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to strive for it. You have already done it completely finished. And you invited us to participate. Lord, help us to understand what you've done for us. We receive the grace to believe everything that you've done. And we thank you, Lord, for the faith to work in all of it. We honor you. We bless you. For every man, every woman, open our ears, anoint the word of God, make it simple, make it clear. Thank you, Father. Lord, we remember our brothers and sisters in the Philippines who are under severe stress. God, we send forth your word. And we are praying for restoration. In the name of Jesus. That even in this very tragic time. Those who do not know you. Will find the opportunity to connect with you. As their Lord God and Savior. We thank you for healings. We thank you for bringing families back together. We honor you Lord God for your goodness. In Jesus name. And everybody said. Amen. It's 11.50. Good. All right. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I am going to speak this morning when I will finish this series of teaching, but I want to speak on the rest of faith. Faith has a rest. There is a place in walking in faith where you come to a rest. That means you are no longer striving. You are no longer toiling. You are no longer in anxiety. You are no longer engaged in works. Now, I know when I said I would works, right off the bat, there's a big question mark. Pastor, does that mean we all take a vacation to Hawaii now? I would define that. There is a rest in faith. There is a place where because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the key. Some of us don't believe the work is finished. And so because we do not believe the work is finished, we are working with him. But there is a place, there is a realm, there is a dimension in God whereby because of what Jesus has done, you and I can rest. This is, this is a, this is, it's so simple but it is profound. And as human beings who have the inclination and have been wired to just do works, it is difficult for us to fathom or to understand or to actually believe it. I was talking to my wife a couple of weeks ago. I said, just chill, just rest. She laid down in the bed for a minute and said, Rest. What is that? Very quickly, she want to go back to the yard, grab her lawnmower, and start cutting the lawn. I said, rest. But that describes many of us. For her, that may be in that area. For others of us, there are other things. But this morning, I want to open this message. I am praying by the grace of God. And we use that term very loosely grace of God. We have no clue what it means. But I am praying though that God will help you and I to make that transition from the place of striving, anxiety where we lost peace, we can't sleep, we are always in some kind of activity 
because we've been programmed to think activity equals godliness. But the invitation this morning is come and enter into the rest of faith. Now, I was just sitting down there doing prison worship and looking at some scriptures that just came to me. Why can we ever even come to this place? Why is this available? Let me just read one verse. Hebrews chapter 8. I know I told you Hebrews 4, but it's too many of them. So let me just, let me just change my plan here. Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 6. But now. When is now? But now. He. Talking about Jesus. Has obtained. A more excellent ministry. Come on. Inasmuch as he is also mediator of what? A better covenant. Oh my goodness. Come on. Which was established on what? Better promises. Just in this one verse, three things. Pastor Nee, number one, excellent ministry. The ministry of the person that's calling us into rest is excellent. It's not mediocrity. It's not haphazardly. The nature of his ministry, this guy that's saying to me, lefty, enter into rest. The nature of his ministry is excellent. That's number one. Number two, what makes it excellent is that it's built on what? Better promises. And it's a what? Better covenant. Now, I'm not going to open this can of worms now because I cannot deal with it in its entirety if I open it now. But I'm going to whet your appetite. Excellent ministry, Sister Ugo based on a better covenant, and this better covenant is based on better promises. So right off the bat, this writer is making a contrast. The rest we are talking about is not based on a mediocrity ministry. Ministry of, that's mediocre. Not based on a ministry of the old covenant. Listen. Under the old covenant, you cannot rest. If the Ten Commandments are still the commandments you're living on, you cannot rest. You should not rest. You will not rest. Why? It's the old covenant that the Bible describes very, very clearly ministration of death. So he tells us, it's a ministry of excellence built on a better covenant by contrasting this with the old and on better promises. Do you know that the old covenant was built on 613 laws. 613. You try to go out and live on the 613 laws. Maybe you do well to, to, to get to law number 613. 12. You've really, you've tried and memorized everything. And you finally arrive 612, but you blew it on one. The Bible says if you miss one, you miss it all. Think about that for a great, great ministry. So, what, listen, I, I'm not sure we appreciate what Jesus has done. This blood of Jesus 
that once and for all was shed for our sins and thus annulled with it all of those things that were contrary unto us and now his ministry is that of excellence built on better covenant and based on better promises. And his promises are all yes and amen. Hallelujah! Oh, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm getting excited already. If you want to know how about the covenant that's been contrasted, go read Deuteronomy chapter 28. I, I'm not going to read that now. If you do this, you get blessed. This. If you do that, you get that blessing. If, and then it stops. If you don't do this, these are your curses. Now, how is that good news? Jesus did not come to give us the old. He fulfilled it so that you and I don't have to. Now, now you understand the person talking to you is a student of the law. I know the Old Testament very, very well. So I'm not saying this to say that the Old Testament is irrelevant, it is useless. No. No. But for the purpose of this lesson, the rest of faith, you need to understand there is a dimension, there is a place for you in God, and God says in this place, it is nothing but rest. Rest. Now. Okay. Let's go back. Let's get started. Let's read Hebrews chapter 4. I pray this morning that for every man, every woman who is striving, you are in anxiety, you are in a depressive mode, you are struggling, you are sweating, you are just busy because the, the, there are so many demands upon you, your things to do list is so high, and therefore every morning you wake up in a cold sweat, you don't know where to start. I pray that this morning God will bring liberation to you. God will bring liberty to you. That the power of God's grace will be extended to you where you are in the name of Jesus. That you will stop and cease from your own works. And you enter into the rest of God. And you begin to do the things of God rather than create your own works in the name of Jesus. Activities do not equal godliness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I saw in my wrath they shall not come, rather they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place in his seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain place, a certain day saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's the key. Harden of our hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest, that is the rest of God, has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. Both of you can be working. You can be working and God is working. We can both be working. This is huge, and I'm praying, I'm praying today. I'm going to be slow, deliberate, deliberate. I'm praying that God will help us to catch it. 
This promise is being made for us that some of us will enter into this promise and begin to enter into the rest of God. Now, in order for us to fully understand where I'm going, let me just give us a picture of what this looks like in the book of Psalm, Psalm 23. What is the rest of God like? What is the rest of God like? We were saying this this morning. We've heard it from the pulpit here. I am thoroughly convinced that the reason David occupies such a prominent place in the heart of God is because of his understanding and revelation. You know, in order to explain David, let me explain Jesus. Jesus at the garden, while he's kneeling down praying at the garden just before he went to the cross, is in the earth physically. But then his prayer said, I finished the work. And it's not with me to the cross. Now, why am I telling you that? I am telling you that as a human being, you can be in one realm and you're seeing another realm. Jesus was, there were human beings around him, right there in the garden, praying for them. They were praying. It's knuckles right in the sand of Galilee, praying. And yet, in that instant, that are finished. And he has not even been to the cross. So he is physically here, but he's seen beyond the realm where he was, and he's seen the realm of the future, and he's already done. You follow that? Likewise, David was a man who was born under the law in the Old Testament. But even though he lived under that law, it's a way beyond the law. Way. He saw things that were way beyond his time. And on such days, he gave us some hint in his writing. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I want to show you a picture of a man or a woman who's at rest. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is there any debate on that? Was David debating that? Was he scratching his head? Was you thinking it may happen? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you see the confidence in him? Did it mean he had no opposition? Did it mean in a physical realm he had no problems around him? Did he mean in a physical realm he didn't have any issues, challenges? He's living here in 2013, but he catapults himself in the spirit and connects with what God is doing. He said, God, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He goes on to say, same verse 23, it makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Did you read that next sentence? For his name's sake. That best explanation. He's not leading me in righteousness for my name's sake. He takes ownership in this finished realm, in this work of faith, in this place where I've come to rest. I am not even concerned that I'm going to miss it. I am not even thinking, oh, I'm going to tell a lie tomorrow. I'll rob a bank next week. I'll commit adultery. That does not even go. Why? You know why? He's leading me. In the parts of what? Righteousness. Why is he doing it? For his name's sake. Let me tell you something. The fact that you and I dwell so much on sin is an indication we're not at rest. When you come to a place of rest in God, that does not even show up on your radar. 
You are not so sin conscious. You are always looking at us to find I wonder what he's doing. Hey, let me go and watch him. Oh, it's lefty. Ah, did he burn the rice? No. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's his job. I'm not working. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why will I want anything? He's my shepherd. I'm a sheep. He's a shepherd. Shepherds take care of sheep. Shepherds never ask sheep, sheep, uh, what do you like to eat today? No. Shepherds take on the total, complete responsibility for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I got, David, are you sure? Oh, yes. You can take it to the bank. I will want nothing. Why? I have a shepherd whose job it is to take care of me, to lead me, to protect me, to clothe me. Everything I need before I ever need it, my shepherd anticipates it and does it for me. Therefore, as a sheep, all I have to do is I have no want. The rest of faith. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. David did not see this under the law. It's impossible. The law said, you will not, if you don't eat, you will not, if you don't want, you will eat. Yes. There are 19 laws that provide for if you don't do this, you will starve to death, Mr. Greg. Yes. But for him to catch this, he had to have gone to that third room, the Holy of Holies, the place where the Shekinah glory of God dwells, the place where the Ark of the Covenant is, the place where the God of Israel, hey, Jehovah, the maker of heaven and earth, the place where you say, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, for whence coming my help, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Woo. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I can preach myself happy over this because this is so real. Yes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this is a man that I was living under the law. Can you imagine that? He understood that. I'm a sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He knows I'm a stubborn sheep. He knows I don't take instruction easily. So what does he makes me? I have a little boy there, Joseph. Joseph will not go to sleep ordinarily. We have to make him go to sleep. Joseph will not just say, "Well, it's sister." No, no, no. It's a little boy. So what do we have to do? We have to make him. So the Bible says, "The Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down." But where? In green pastures, a place where I can be nurtured, a place where I can be tended, a place where I can be cared for. The pl- hey. But that's not all he does. If that's all he has done, he will have done wonders. He then takes me by the still waters because he knows that as a sheep, I need to deal to drink. In a tranquil environment. So it has to take me to the still waters and pack me right there. I said, Now, honey, this is the place of your nourishment. Drink there. And then when you are discouraged, he's not waiting for anybody else. He's not waiting for CNN to bring you news of encouragement. When you are discouraged, the Bible says, He restores my soul. He speaks a word to me in the right season. And his word is shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. Like fire. It gets better. Um, you know what? I've not even started on a, on a text. I'm just trying to show you a picture. So you can have an understanding of the kind of rest that awaits you if you enter into it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
What is the need that's bugging you? What is the need that's caused you to lose your health? What is the need that's nagging at you for which stress and anxiety is robbing you of your better days? What is that need that you are fretting over, that you are so concerned about? You fasted for 41 days, there's no answer. You fasted for 49 days, there's no answer. Because you are doing the wrong things. You don't understand. You don't have to fast for your shepherd to feed you. My Lord and my God, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Hallelujah! It maketh me to lie down. People like me, my wife will tell you. My eyes are wide open, two air, wide awake. I'm thinking about this one, thinking about that one, thinking about this one. So sometimes we love it now at 2 a.m., turn my lights back on, bring up my iPad. What are you doing? So for sheep like us, he makes us to lie down. Aren't you glad this morning that when you can't sleep, the Lord my God, he will order you a lunesta divine ambient into your system to put you at rest. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. You're dealing with human beings. They annoy you. They upset you. They mess you up. You get angry. You are fouled up. You are defiled. God said, no problem. No problem. I'm your shepherd. You will not want. Even when it comes to despairing of your soul, I have the solution for that. I'm your nourisher. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the ending. I'm the first and the last. I'm the one who made you. I'm the one who was, who is, and who's to come. The Almighty God. He restores you. People are so scared. Ah, well, I wonder how my son is doing in college. You know, they're living in the dorm. I don't know what they are doing out there, like Job. You're offering sacrifices of sins they've not committed. <laughs> You're not resting. You're not resting. He, God, lifted me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Why does he do that? He has taken the full responsibility for your success. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I cannot fail. It's not on me. No, no, seriously. seriously we, need, we need to do this again. No, you're not getting it. 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 Folks, your success is not on you. It has been paid in full by a price, hallelujah, of the blood of Jesus. That's why he said, ah, take the responsibility to lead you in a path of righteousness for my name's sake. It's my name, oh God, that's at stake, not yours. Be free. Many of us are carrying burdens that God never expected for us to carry. I don't know if you guys are hearing me. Yes. I read that yesterday. I said to myself, wait a minute, God. This is, this is, this is, you are going to lead me in a path of righteousness for your name's sake. All of a sudden, the weight is off of my back. The weight is off my back. I'm, I'm praying that weight is off your back right now. Amen. He never designed your back to carry that weight. You never did. Now, this is going to be, this, obviously now, because I'm just squirting around the edges, it's going to take a while to ever finish this message. But I'm not in a hurry. If all you do is get it this morning to understand that your success is being guaranteed by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that they paid a price for your success with his own blood, and that now he has a more excellent ministry based on a better covenant, 
based on better promises if that's all you get. It's incredible. It didn't stop there. He said, now, thou preparest a table. All of the naysayers that have been looking at me, that are saying, this guy, the way I'm looking at him, look at the way he's dressing. He's dressed like a man going to a nightclub. <laughs> we will see. He will fail one day. All of those naysayers that are saying, the way this guy is doing business, is destined to fail. They're looking. They're looking to read in the news how you failed. All of those naysayers, God invited them to a party. He said, come on. Come on and see the feasting. All of them. He prepared a table before all of my enemies. Doubt, unbelief, sin, hold them. He called them all. Come on to the party. Prepare the table. In the presence of my enemies, my head, he anointed with all my cup running over. Hallelujah. What does that mean? Because of the goodness of God in my life. And my cup that's running over. My enemies who are so close by me. Who came to make fun of me. Who came to see my destruction. By the time they all sip on me. Next thing I know, it's on them. The next thing I know, all of a sudden, they're drawing, dancing, and going with you. Because the change of God in your life affects them. And David, with confidence, he says, surely, oh my God. Is that what it says in your Bible? He says, surely, surely, everywhere I go, goodness. Come, 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 what are you doing? Everywhere I go, all of a sudden, I bump here, I bump here. Goodness here, mercy here, surely, goodness, mercy, surely, surely, goodness and mercy, they are following me all the days of my life. Goodness, mercy, goodness, mercy, goodness. Mercy, goodness, mercy, goodness, mercy, goodness, mercy, mercy, Hallelujah. Watch this. Surely, goodness and mercy shall. Follow me. Some days of my life. Are you sad? Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me every now and then. When I'm up, when I'm down, oh, when I'm in the valley, goodness and mercy. When I'm on top of the mountain, goodness and mercy. When I'm going through, goodness and mercy. On days that I'm broke, goodness and mercy. On days I'm prospering, goodness and mercy. When I'm signing my contract, goodness and mercy. When I'm speaking, goodness and mercy. Whatever I'm doing, goodness and mercy. Oh, the days of my life. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Because David is a man that understands the rest of God. He prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Don't miss the next sentence. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How have we been trying to get people into the house of the Lord? By condemning them. That's why they don't come to our churches. Why should they come? Why should they come? Look at this one. 
Is it, is, is it homosexual? I'm not sure. <laughs> David said, surely goodness and mercy, they shall follow me. Oh, I just didn't want to be graphic. I could have gone as far as to say, even when he went down to Bathsheba. Hey. See, I know religious it is a wait a minute. Sure, at that time they would have checked out. No? No? Because if 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 so, what would bring him back to God? Right there in the house of Bathsheba. Goodness. I must say, David, remember the goodness of God to you. Remember the mercy of God to you. And his mercy in the New Testament says, I will have mercy on your unrighteousness and your lawlessness and sins I will remember no more. Therefore, return from whence you have fallen. <laughs> Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And as a result of the goodness of God, I will dwell in a house of God forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. That's my results. I'm done. Part one. I'm not going to touch Hebrews 4 right now. You need to understand that. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not the severity of God. My friends, and I say this in humility, and I say this as gentle as I can, and the truth is many of us don't know God. We know him by the roots of the law we have memorized. It's a pastor, I really have issue with what you just said. How can God uh, surely a good and mercy even when he's with Bathsheba? Really? Did God know he was with Bathsheba when they said, David, I've never found a man of my own heart. Did he know that? Yes. Mm. Our pastor, you must be encouraging us not to go and do what he did. Really? <laughs> no. You're already in it. You don't need any encouragement. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. Because if you truly understand the message of this excellent ministry, let me just read one scripture and I'm, I'm done. Just one scripture. Because I want to make sure you understand that we're not encouraging anybody to go and do anything that's crazy, squally. Hmm. Second Corinthians chapter three. Can you give that to me in the amplified? Second Corinthians chapter three in the amplified. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk. <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't even deal with that. I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death. I will find no evil. You see, once you know the first, the, the first, two, part, the first two sentences... Walking through the body of shadow of death is no, it's no problem. Uh, what David is saying is, from his own experience, he understands. As a sheep, or rather as a shepherd, he had to lead sheep from pasture to pasture, and usually they had to cross valleys in order to do that. And whenever you are leading sheep in transition, that's when they become most exposed to all the uh, animals that's looking to eat them. 
But he's saying, even though you are leading from one pastor to the other, and we're walking through the valleys of the shadow of death, I can see that lion over there eyeing me. I can see that bear looking at me. Very funny. Even though that is happening, even though you and I are living in very potentially dangerous times where you can lose things, things happen, crazy things happen, what he's saying is, in light of all of that, the fact that I'm with the shepherd, it doesn't matter. Because you're going to have to deal with the shepherd before you get to me. How can David say that with confidence? Because when he was keeping his own father's sheep, and a bear came. Yeah. He knew from experience, as a shepherd, he took care of the bear. And he took care of the lion. How much more God is your shepherd? The adversary, as a roaring lion, is talking about seeking whom he may devour. But you have a shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. Who is very aware of the vices of the devil. Listen, we are going to enter into some serious significant God victories before this year ends out. Amen. Oh, I, I, I'm not talking about 2014. I, I'm saying in the next 30 days, yes. you are going to, because when you get what I'm saying to you, and you rest from your own works, then the works that God has already done for you will surface. Amen. Amen. It is surface. In Jesus' name. Amen. This one last verse here. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Ah, where do I start? Did you give me Amplified? Where is it? Oh, I took chapter 3. Oh, you're waiting for verse? Okay. Okay. Let's start from verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start from verse 7. Amplified. The Lord is your shepherd back there. (laughs) Now, if the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone, the ministration of the law was inaugurated with such glory and splendor, that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance, a glory. Now listen to this. That was a further way. Israel celebrated a glory that God caused ministration of death. Nobody was able to fulfill it. And even the veil you heard, they said Moses put a veil on his face. He had to. Because that veil, we are told, is the glory that's passing away. Nobody wants to see their man of God with a veil and the thing is just passing away. The, the glory just shone and the thing is gone. So God put a veil on it. You see there? Yeah? That was the fade away. Next verse. Why should not the dispensation of the spirit, the spiritual ministry whose tack is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit be attended with much more greater and more splendid glory? Next verse. For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom, can you imagine that? If it had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous the ministry that produces, now this is, this is the key, the ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. And that's what I'm talking about here. Because from what we said, surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And I said to you, listen, even when you are doing the nastiest, terrible, bad things, you don't, the, the goodness and good, the, the goodness and mercy, you, 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 you don't banish them. Why? They are not, they, they didn't come by your own inspiration. That's your problem. You think you ordered them. No, you did not. But they have a purpose. It fosters, first it produces, fosters righteous living and right standing with God. Keep on reading. 
You can see what's how it's going to happen. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses, has come to have no splendor at all because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it, the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Next verse. For if that which was, be, if, if that which was passing and fading away came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent abide in, in glory and splendor? Next verse. Since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation, we speak freely and openly and fearlessly. Next one. Nor do we act like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. Now, in fact, their minds were grown hard and callous. They had become full. They had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day, when the old old covenant is being read, that same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. Next one. Yes, done to this very day. Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their mind. Next one. We're almost there. But when they, Okay, next one. Go to 18. Now, this is the key. Talking about holiness. Talking about being like Jesus. L let me stop this before I explain this. Stop worrying about what happened to sinners and sin. Beyond the fact that they need to be redeemed. L let me say that again. Don't take upon yourself, well, if John Doe is doing this, I, 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 what's that? that's not your business. Why are you entertaining works that you are not created to entertain? Stop doing that. Stop receiving sin consciousness to yourself. You have been created in this era of grace and of the kingdom to be a habitant of the third room, the most holy place, not the outer court. You've gone beyond the outer court. You've gone beyond the holy place. God created you and I to live with him in the most holy place where sin is not even discussed. It's not discussed. Your only responsibility to sin and sinners is praying for them but trying to figure out why she did this and why he did that, or are you sure he didn't do it? Are you sure she... That you're wasting your time in works that will destroy you. It's not your business. If God thought it was your business, he makes you the mediator. No, seriously. This is your business. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we, continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from who? From the Lord who is the spirit. That's how you become holy. You don't become holy for criticizing sinners. You become holy. His goodness and his mercy draws you. And when it draws you, it draws you to an aspect, opens the page for you, and you begin to read as in a mirror, you are seeing a portrait of what it's like. Hey, God, this is the way you are like. I want to be like you. Yes, it's available. This is why I tell you David is awesome. He's the one that also gave us the corresponding verse to this in the Old Testament. Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing alone have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Oh! the days of my life. 
Why do you want to go there? David, why do you want to dwell in his house? That I may just behold his beauty. The radiance on his face is better than 10 carat diamonds. It's more costly than gold. It's more expensive than silver. This is jewelry that they've never owned on the earth. And as I behold him, I can be it. And I may behold him and inquire at his temple. That's what he says. So I'm looking at him and looking at him, admiring him. Jesus, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're splendor. My God, look at your excellence. You're too much to behold. I love you, Jesus. I want to be just like you. I know I've wronged. I've done, I've missed something. I just want to be like you. Honey, you can be there. Let me show you how to do so. You behold his beauty and inquire at his temple. It's telling you, do this and do that. That's how you change. That's how you become holy. You do not become holy because you came to church. Many people come to church and they are more wicked when they leave church. Yeah. But as you behold him, as in the mirror, you're looking at him. Wow. Like an artist. He has an impression of what he wants to draw. And they're drawing based on the revelation that they have in their heart. That's what God wants to do in us. But you cannot do that with the same consciousness. You can't. As long as you think every minute that you've seen, you've seen ten times a day, hey, I've gone to hell ten times and come back. You will never be like Jesus. It's not going to happen. Because that same consciousness has a way of drawing you back. You get under condemnation. You get under guilt burden. And you're constantly walking to please God. Ah, if I can just pray nine hours a day, God will forgive me. Let us enter the rest. The rest of faith. Where everything has been done for us. Let's just bow our heads for a minute. Is there anybody here today, this morning? Because the foundation for rest is to know Jesus. The foundation for rest is to be born again. That's the foundation. So if you're here and you say, you know, God, I want to enter this rest. I want to accept the finished work that makes your ministry excellent based on 